0: Alright, so uh, I'm ready to go. Let's just jump right into it. Okay. So I guess, first of all, I know your Twitter, you're uh, MG on movies. I know you as Mark um, back from our high school days. So which right. would you prefer as we're talking here?
1: Mark works, although I, I wouldn't mind if people called me MG in person. Okay. More. Yeah. What, how did that get started? I guess it started all the way back in like late 2018. That's when I first started using Twitter. And I was kind of apprehensive about sort of Using my real name and face, so I use my my first and middle initials, and it just kind of stuck. But it didn't really pick up traction until May twenty twenty, and then I sort of gained more of a following, and it's been going pretty well since then.
0: Was that the incident with that director? Yeah, the the creator
1: of Deadpool, uh, Rob right. Rob Liefeld. That that's still hilarious. I can't <laughs> believe that happened. I uh, he said something stupid because he does that a lot. He's very narcissistic. Yeah. And then I, I kind of called him out. I called him a sad little man. <laughs> and he made fun of my follower count, which yeah. was like 770 something. I think it was, yeah, I think he said, says 776. Yeah, or yeah something that like was that was That was it. And then just people started following me out of nowhere. And I think now I have 1,700. Yeah,
0: that was, uh, I remember that night. I think you gained more followers in 24 hours than I've gained my entire time <laughs> yeah. on Twitter, which is. <laughs> I can't believe it. I yeah. can't
1: believe it. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, you, and you were, uh, M.G. Spidey at first, right? Yeah. So it was a Spider-Man account, and then you kind of transitioned it, it evolved into all of film, really,
1: right? Yeah, I guess it kind of matured a little bit, because at first I just I was very sort of obsessed with Marvel and Spider-Man at the time, and I still am, it means a lot to me, and I just wanted to talk about that. But I kind of realized that it was better for me personally and for my account to to broaden my horizons, and it was actually in fall of 2019 when I first started getting into film as a whole. It definitely opened my eyes when I I was started watching more movies that I heard people talking about on Twitter, and it was in, like, I think almost exactly two years ago now that I decided to make the switch and become more of a film account and less of a comic book account.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I've used this show as a means to get to know people a little bit better over the years, and, you know, no, you, I think I know fairly well. I know we were cross-country teammates for uh, a few years, right. and... um you were three years behind me, right? So I wouldn't say we had yeah. that close of a friendship, but, you know, we, we certainly know each other fairly well. And I'm even open to you maybe coming back on the show sometime this summer to relive some of those cross-country days. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Hear about, you know, your college experience if you'd be up for that. Sure. But, uh, you know, for for the purposes of this show, I know in case people have been living under a rock, there's this new Spider-Man movie that <laughs> they may or may not have heard of. Yeah. and uh, Made a little bit of money. Yeah, yeah, definitely made a uh, more than a little bit of money at the box office, and um, you know that's how I've started uh, kind of reconnecting with you through through Twitters, through Spider Man, and through Marvel, and uh, you know that's really what I want to focus on today. So I guess just to start, um, I think we have we have to start with the new movie No Way Home. What was your reaction of that? I know you've seen it a few times now. Did it live up to your expectations? And how do you feel it's it's laid the groundwork for the future for the franchise?
1: It's, it's kind of a funny story looking back because right after Far From Home came out, it had that really shocking cliffhanger with, with Peter's identity being revealed to the public. I was instantly excited for, for the next Spider-Man 3, whatever it was going to be called. And me and a lot of other people expected it to take a very different direction than what it actually did. And when all the rumors started happening with the, with the multiverse and all these old actors coming back and, and the merging of the, the three different franchises... It got a little concerning um, for me and, and a good amount of fans because it sounded like they were trying to do something that wasn't going to work. Because it, this movie really needed to resolve that cliffhanger and resolve the whole trilogy and keep the focus on Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And I honestly didn't know how they were going to do that and bring in the multiverse. But it ended up working really well. And I said it on Twitter, I think we got the best possible version of the movie. Um, Just the way that they they handled everything. They they kept the focus on Tom and his story and the decisions that he makes and the consequences of those decisions and him taking responsibility. It's very dark and grounded despite bringing in all these other characters and all these old actors. In many ways, it's the most spectacular Spider-Man movie, but it's also the most grounded and it has very real stakes. And the way that they, they use the multiverse to build onto his character arc and set up the next trilogy, you know, erasing everyone's memory of him, and kind of pushing him into adulthood in college. I think it worked really well. I I couldn't have done it better myself. Yeah, well, I guess the biggest
0: concern that people had was that they'd be trying to do too much, and I think that's exactly. one of the common complaints about uh, Spider-Man 3, which I know is, ironically, your favorite of the <laughs> Raimi trilogy. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that later on, but... uh I, I guess, generally speaking, considered the the weakest of the three uh, by most people on social media, and likewise, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, which was previously the, the end of Andrew Garfield's time as Spider-Man, kind of having the same problem. Like, they're trying to introduce too many subplots and lay the groundwork for future things, and there's too much going on, and it doesn't really work. And yet, No Way Home is bringing all these villains back while still trying to resolve the cliffhanger but we had from far from home and on paper it should be a gigantic mess that runs into all those
1: same problems and yet they pulled it off exactly i i still don't know how they did it It, it, i'm i'm really impressed and it it still seems like it's not real because like you said it it really shouldn't have worked and we should have just gotten another unsatisfying mess but that's not what happened at all
0: yeah well i just i i want to know like
1: uh and I guess it, it
0: should be obvious for anyone listening at this point that there's going to be spoilers here if they haven't seen it by now. But uh, like when can when can like the actual Spider Man social media handles like when can they acknowledge Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Like, what at what point can we?
1: I don't know. Recognize
0: it? if you haven't seen it by now, it's on you. And you know we can because I think everybody really knows at least that they're in it at this point. Right? I think
1: so. Yeah. It's it's weird because pretty much all the fans have gotten to that point, but the official social media hasn't, but it's it's kind of a weird in between because like if you if you go on the, the official Marvel website you can find character right. art of Toby and Andrew Spider Man for No Way Home, and yet they haven't publicly acknowledged it. But at the same time Tom Holland and some of the other co stars have acknowledged it in interviews. So I don't I don't know what they're doing. I feel like they they should have done something at this point. Yeah.
0: I mean I get why they did it and I think f- you know, in an age before social media and everything, they they would have been able to keep things a little bit more secretive. Um, I think, actually, uh, I just saw Angry Rice, to the actress that plays Betty Brand, who had a much smaller role in this movie than she did in, mm-hmm. uh, in Far From Home. Um, but she said she wasn't even really aware of what their role was going to be because oh, of how wow. secretive they keep everything just within Marvel Studios, right. let alone trying to keep it secret to the general public. Uh, but I, I love how the video that leaked of Andrew, like, that was the actual take that mm-hmm. they ended up using in the final cut.
1: Yeah, it was crazy seeing yeah. that on the big screen. <laughs> I think me and, and everyone else who was on Twitter instantly recognized that scene. Yeah. It was kind of iconic. Was like,
0: oh, that's the that's leak right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He but did a ha- really good job denying it, too, like, yeah. in all the interviews. It was really funny. Well, because... he got,
0: yeah, I mean, Toby got really lucky because he didn't really have anything else going exactly, on, whereas yeah. Andrew had tick tick boom that was coming out at the mm-hmm. same time and was doing all this media and right. press stuff for that, and so naturally he was going to get just inundated with questions and rumors and everything. Uh, whereas Toby just kind of got to sit back and uh, <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> Pretty um, much. Yeah, But I guess that's the one. The one disappointment that I have is like it's it's their grand return, and again I I totally get why they wanted to keep it a secret and make it a big reveal, but that they couldn't be there at the red carpet and and everything and you know we're still waiting for official promos really to come out with them i don't know i'm looking forward to the blu-ray release in the home version i think there's going to be a lot of extra features and things that might make up for that so they had to cut a
1: lot from what i've heard so yeah. it's, it's going to be exciting to see what what they include in that yeah
0: well i guess you uh you can't have like a four-hour movie unless yes, you're sadly. <laughs> like a uh, snyder cut for yeah. justice league or whatever so yeah i know uh tom holland's brother was supposed to have a
1: cameo in it right but that it that was that yeah. got cut as well yeah i think i think i saw some behind the scenes photos of that yeah. and, and some footage I, I guess it was decided pretty late that they would cut that yeah but when you look at the pacing of the actual movie i think i think everything that they cut makes a lot of sense because it's a long movie yeah. but it doesn't feel too long and it, it flows very well yeah i think
0: like you were saying for everything that they were trying to do i think it was probably the best possible version we could have gotten i think um, so yeah, well, I guess to, to transition to that, I know uh, you said you wouldn't change your thing about the movie. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. I guess I guess it's the mid-credit scene because I guess the post-credit scene was the Doctor Strange two trailer. Definitely. Um, this is this is what I, I I want an answer from you on because I know, like you said, Spider-Man three is your favorite in in Toby's trilogy. You hate the Venom movies. I do. You you despise the Venom <laughs> movies, and I feel like. You know, for me at least, Spider-Man Three is is kind of a, an insult to Venom because he shows up in really the last arc of the movie, and then they kill him off right away. It was like Sony tried to push that onto Sam. Like you've got to, he he just wanted to do Sam Man or just wanted to do one of the two or whatever, and they insisted that he put Venom in the movie, and that's why there. That's why it's a chaotic mess and doesn't work for a lot of people. Whereas I look at these new Venom movies, and I and I think Venom is definitely weaker than. Venom let there be carnage and we, we can make fun of that title and everything I think <laughs> when you have maximum carnage right there I, right. I don't like yeah. the title of that movie as much but I think the movie as a whole was a bit of an upgrade you know I like Tom Hardy in the role I think he plays off of Venom pretty well and and is able to make that work uh I admittedly I don't think they're as strong as the majority of the MCU movies but I just I want to know
1: why you have such a strong dislike for what Sony has done with the character. I think Venom has a lot of potential that just hasn't really been tapped yet in any movie, which is partially why the the No Way Home mid credit scene excites me so much because I think that now there's a chance to sort of access some of that missed potential. Uh, but the main reason I I dislike the Venom movies is because I think they they lack in quality writing. A lot of a lot of stuff works and I think I agree with you completely about Tom Hardy and his dynamic as Eddie Brock and how he plays off of the, the Venom symbiote. I think that works really well and it's really entertaining. But I just think that the way that they they created that universe without Spider-Man that is not very similar to the source material, it just, it, it, it really disappointed me. I think that they could have done a much better job if they had set that in a universe with Spider-Man. It didn't have to be the MCU. It, it could have been something completely different because I know somebody wants to do their own thing. They've been trying to do that for yeah. for a while, and it can work. I mean, Spider-Man is such a great character. He has so many supporting characters that they could very well do a successful Spider-Man cinematic universe, and yet this new Venom doesn't really feel like Venom to me because I think his relationship with Spider-Man and Peter Parker is one of the most important aspects of his character, and that's just something we haven't seen yet in, in the new movies. So you think it's not a very comic book accurate
0: portrayal of a character, is that what it is?
1: Right, and it's kind of ironic because people have the same complaint towards MCU Spider Man, which I love, but I think just completely removing Spider Man from his origin just takes away a really important aspect of the character that I, I feel like they need to include in order for it to be successful. At least for me personally. Yeah. Well, I am still. I mean, I, I feel
0: for. Uh, I guess Sony has delayed Morbius more times now than I can I can remember, but. Uh, yeah. Like, No Way Home got pushed back six months. Morbius has been pushed back, I think, 18 now. I think it was supposed to come out in the summer of 20. So right. There's hints that it looks like there's the Daily Bugle paper that resembles Toby's movies, the Oscorp Tower that resembles Andrew's movies, and you've got an appearance from Michael Keaton. Looks like he's bringing Vulture back. That's obviously an MCU thing. So it, it looks weird to, to see all three of those together, and it kind of has us wondering what they're going to do with with that and how exactly it fits into the universe um, or the multiverse, I guess I should be saying now, um, so I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go see it, I'm intrigued to see how they handle it, and I don't know, I just, I feel like when you're one or two movies in, like, you know, 2008, people didn't really know where the MCU was going to go, and, you know, how, how closely were Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk related, aside from that credit scene where, where Tony Stark shows up, but I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it, and, um, I think like you were saying, I think some people are wondering if maybe No Way Home has kind of redeemed Andrew Spider-Man, if he could maybe be the Spider-Man of the Sony universe, and maybe they were going to make The Amazing Spider-Man 3, maybe there's that's how Venom gets his showdown with Spider-Man or whatever. What would you think of, of seeing Andrew come back
1: in a role like that? I really hope he does, and I think just looking at the, the fan reception to the three Spider-Man and No Way Home, I don't see how they wouldn't. Unite them again, and there are, there's talk on Twitter that something is in the works. But if if you just look at the fan outcry specifically for for Andrew and the man Spider-Man three, it's it's definitely possible. And I mean, in a world where the Snyder Cut happened, I I feel like there's a good chance. And bringing him into this, the Venom universe with with Venom and Morbius and whoever else they introduce, I think that would be a really good way in making it work. Uh, even better than. Then connecting that to the MCU. Uh, because that universe really does need its own Spider-Man. And the way that No Way Home ended, it's it's clear that they're keeping them separate. So what what better way to to bring back Andrew and give that universe to Spider-Man?
0: Have you seen Venom 2 yet?
1: I haven't actually. I've been okay. I've been meaning to see it over. Do you even. know you but you're aware of what happens in the credit I, scene
0: yeah. there, right? Okay. Yeah. So I guess that was kind of that left some fans with mixed feelings because it's like you bring Venom into the MCU. For a very brief moment in one credit scene, and then you take him out right away in another credit scene. So it's kind of like they teased something, and then they they took it right back. But right. I don't know. There's the like you said, the symbiote is is left over. So it, it gives them any world of possibilities what they what they want to do going into the next Spider-Man trilogy. I guess this is all assuming Disney and Sony don't do what they did two years ago and have right. that that uh, those negotiations break down again. But uh, I think they're going to look at the box office numbers for this film and hopefully sanity will prevail and they realize that the partnership that they have is working and is making
1: lots of people lots of money and hopefully we avoid that again. But uh, I think it will. I think, yeah. And that, 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 like, I think it was... It felt a lot longer, but I think it was just a month where yeah. there was sort of no one knew what was going on back in 2019. That was very chaotic and stressful. But... I think they're going to do everything in their power to avoid that from happening again. And just if you look at interviews, what they've said, and just how successful they've been since they made that new deal, I don't see why they wouldn't continue their partnership, because it's it's working really well for everyone, and it's making the fans happy.
0: Yeah, well, I guess talking about the Sony-verse, I guess Kraven is the next film that they're planning after Morbius. right? And I know that originally before the multiverse began, I think that was kind of what you were hoping for in... The third MCU that Spider-Man was. movie was that Craven would be the main villain there. What do you think of that character's potential in, in either universe, I guess, going going forward?
1: I think there's a lot of really good potential there. Kraven is just a, a very interesting and compelling Spider-Man character, both as a villain and sort of as an anti-hero. And John Watts actually talked about including Kraven in No Way Home right after Far From Home came out, because the, the story that they set up would have been perfect for Kraven, but... Like I said, I think what we got was even better than, than a Kraven movie. And the, the, only, the only confusing part is that they cast Aaron Taylor-Johnson as Kraven, which, I mean, we've, we've seen actors you know, play the same role in the MCU, but nothing really on this scale. Um, but I think it could still work if they connect to the MCU, because actually the, the writer of Kraven talked about adapting Kraven's Last Hunt into a two-part movie uh, with Spider-Man as a major character. So it, it could be Tom Holland, it could be Andrew Garfield now after No Way Home, but I think regardless of what they do, it's honestly one of my most anticipated movies, which is ironic considering it's from Sony, and I've yeah. been very hostile towards their <laughs> attempts at creating Spider-Man movies without Marvel Studios, but they might actually work closely together and, and connect to the MCU, and if that's the case, I'll be really excited, but either way, I I think it could be great.
0: Yeah, well I think what we saw with the, uh, the credit scene in Venom 2 and you know what we're seeing with Michael Keaton in Morbius I think that there's there's definitely potential for you know Marvel Studios to cross over a little bit help Sony with what they're doing just as Sony has obviously been bankrolling and helping Marvel Studios with the Spider-Man movies that have been under that brand so like I said you know I think the the partnership is working and uh, you know assuming things don't break down again there's there's a lot of reason to be hopeful for the future if the, if the two sides can continue to work together and coexist so yeah, I guess uh to bounce off that we should go back to some of the older Spider-Man films. And I guess we can we can talk about the Raimi trilogy in particular now because I think for for most people Spider-Man 2 is considered the best Spider-Man 3 is considered the weakest. Um right. whereas in your rankings you you have it as this uh nice perfect incline. <laughs> 1 is the weakest and you, and you actually like 3 the best. Why is that?
1: I was kinda of surprised when I rewatched them all a couple of years ago because I'd sort of accepted the popular consensus that that three is the worst and one is sort of or two is this almost masterpiece of, of Spider Man storytelling. But when I when I rewatched them, I at least at least for me, I realized that they didn't really hold up to, to modern standards. I think one, while it has a lot of really good aspects, it kind of falls apart. Uh, just looking at the the writing and the the special effects i think it's, it's very very campy and unintentionally hilarious which i i love i just don't think it holds up nearly as well as people say it does and then two uh watching it back to back it was a massive step up i'm, I'm really impressed by how good two is in comparison to one but I, I still have problems with it i don't think the writing is as good as it could be but the reason 3 works so well for me personally is because it, it has a really good balance of the sort of ridiculous humor of the first movie and the actual good storytelling of the second movie. And even though Venom was was pushed in unnecessarily, I think the the storyline with Sandman and Black Suit for Spider-Man is really compelling and a really great way to end the trilogy. If, if Venom didn't show up in the third act, I think it would have easily been the best movie in the trilogy. Uh as opposed to just being the one I prefer the most.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's, it goes back to the idea that, um, you know, it's been almost two decades since we got the first one. And, uh, you know, at the time, I can see why it was a revolutionary movie and, uh, you know, completely redefined the genre. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, if, if Sam Raimi doesn't go make that trilogy, I don't know that the MCU would have even taken off as, as quickly and as much as it did. Just because even though, I guess up until this most recent movie that we've gotten, those movies haven't been connected in any way, aside from the Marvel brand, it still mm. laid the groundwork for how superhero movies would be received going forward. And Spider, I'll, I'll say Spider-Man 2 is my favorite. I, I think it's, for me, it's the best, and 3 is still the weakest, but I don't rank 2 as high as the internet does, and I don't rank 3 as low as the internet does. I think it's a lot closer than they make them out to mm. be. Um and I think in, in 2004, Spider-Man 2 may well have been the best comic book film of all time. But that oh, was, yeah, definitely. That was 17 years ago. 18 years ago, I guess it's New Year's Day. Right. Um, there have been a lot of good comic book movies in the last 18 years. So, you know, I think to to measure that, that to those standards that those new films have set, maybe it doesn't hold up quite as good as it did when it was first coming out.
1: I definitely feel the same way. And I think that's a recurring problem with uh, just... I guess movies in general, but especially comic book movies where every fan is biased. And if you don't realize how biased you are, it kind of becomes hard to to judge films in their own right. And yeah, Spider-Man 2, it is a very good movie. And really the entire trilogy, but especially the first two movies, completely revolutionized the the whole comic book movie medium. And I I absolutely agree. If it wasn't for those movies, we wouldn't have what we have today. And they, they really did make the MCU possible. And they also introduced me to Spider-Man when I was a little kid, so I have a lot of love and respect for them. I just don't let that nostalgia and that love keep me from preferring the new movies and really liking all the movies because I think there's something to love in in every Spider-Man adaptation.
0: Yeah, well, I mean I and I can admit to that bias too. Um, you know, I just I rewatched all of them except the Into the Spider-Verse, I guess, cuz it's, you know, animated is kind right. of its own thing, but right. uh I forgot in the beginning of Homecoming, there's the uh, there's the eight years later title uh, card yeah. when I think really it should be like four or five years later because the Avengers takes place in 2012. If you go by that title card, it's 2020 and that's when in the MCU the blip is going on. So like it's, it's little continuity errors like that that really get to me. So like that alone was enough to bump Homecoming below <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. 2 on my... <laughs> On my rankings, there I think if if it weren't for that one thing, I think Homecoming... like I, I I really like homecoming. It's uh you know I I thought it was just a little bit better than far from home on the rewatch, um which I know far from home at least up until this month was was your favorite right um but you know I think uh yeah it's it's little things like that that really get to me and you know I I can admit those biases when I'm when I'm ranking as well but um yeah it's 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 tough like you said because there's so many good aspects in in all of them really you know like even the amazing spider-man 2 which i think is generally considered maybe the weakest of all of them there are some arcs that i think work and and had had potential to maybe work a little bit better than they did had they not been trying to do all the other things they were doing so i guess to to kind of bounce off of that where do you rank andrew's movies after the uh the rewatch of all of them and what we've what we now know after no way home
1: Well, speaking of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, that was actually the first Spider-Man movie I saw in theaters, surprisingly. And at the time, I really liked it. Uh, It it definitely does not hold up well at all. I I do think it is the worst, and most people tend to agree, out of all the Spider-Man movies. But, like you were saying, there's certain aspects of it, like the acting and the cinematography and the special effects, stuff like that, that I think are some of the best in in any Spider-Man movie. So it's kind of a shame that the movie fell apart just on a narrative and character level. But the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, I, I really love. I think it, it's below the MCU Spider-Man movies, but above the Raimi movies for me. Just because I, I love their more... It's kind of a, a, a darker, more realistic take on New York and Spider-Man and how he would play into a, a universe that's significantly different from any of the other ones that we've seen. And I think Andrew Garfield is just so good in the role. And he always has been. He, he got a lot of hate when he was first cast, but I think... Looking back with with hindsight, especially after seeing him in No Way Home, he's just he's such a talented actor, and i I love I love every every movie with him as Spider Man in it, and the Amazing Spider Man is really what got me back into Spider Man and solidified him as my favorite fictional character because it was just such a long time after I watched the the Raimi trilogy as a kid I kind of stopped liking Spider Man almost I I got more interested in other things but when that movie came out it it really reminded me of why he's such a good character and why I love him so much.
0: Yeah, I think some people consider like maybe Toby's a better Peter Parker, but Andrew, you know, and I, I don't think Andrew's a bad Peter Parker by any means. But I, I'm I'm totally with you. I think as a as Spider Man in particular, that's where he really shines. And oh, definitely. I think it was it was great to see him back and kind of in the minds of maybe his biggest detractors get a chance to redeem himself, not just through what he does in the movie, saving MJ you know, after he couldn't save Gwen. Uh, but just to, to see him in the role again and, um, you know, be brought back, I think f- was really good for him. And I think it's, it's maybe going to help fans recognize some of the positives from his earlier movies. It definitely well.
1: did. And and that's something I've seen a lot on social media, just how, how many people are praising his performance as Spider-Man and looking back to his older movies and realizing how good he was. And that's just something really special to me, who, who loved his, his movies despite their faults when they first came out. And you can really tell in No Way Home how much he, he loves Spider-Man and how happy he is to be back because he really put his all into his performance, even though it wasn't that large of a role. Every one of his scenes, he's just, he's doing so great. And it's, it was just really, really heartwarming to, to see him back and to see it get such a positive reception. Do you think we see a third movie with him? It's hard to say, I don't. I, I really would like to see that trilogy completed because it just doesn't feel right to have him only get two solo movies. I think it's definitely possible, it really just depends upon whether Sony wants to just focus on Tom Holland's next trilogy or to, to throw in a, a third movie for Andrew. But regardless, I think we will definitely see him in for future MCU movies and future Sony, Sony movies just because he's that good and people want to see him back.
0: Yeah, I think if there were ever a time where the multiverse could work and you could look at having two different actors playing the same character in different movies at the same time, you know, after what No Way Home did and the reception has been there, I think there's definitely potential there for that. I don't know, I'm I'm hearing maybe uh, Secret Wars could be a, an opportunity for, for him and Toby to return. Oh, but, yeah,
1: I th- I think I've heard similar things. That would be perfect, honestly. Yeah,
0: well, I guess the uh, the one Spider-Man theatrical film we haven't really talked about yet is Into the Spider-Verse and uh, again that's a little different because it is it's animated and kind of it's its own thing from a live-action multiverse. Um, I've only seen it once and it was a couple years ago so I would probably need to refresh my memory but I know that you're very excited for the film that's coming out this year the sequel to that which I guess is a part one and then there's going to be a part two even. That was a surprising
1: announcement but yeah Across the Spider-Verse it's really exciting I can't wait. Yeah what did you think of the original? that came out a few years ago? I honestly had really low expectations going, and I didn't see the need for an animated Spider-Man movie focusing on on Miles Morales. But when I saw it in theaters, it was honestly one of the the best experiences I've ever had, because it's the the animation style and quality and just how well the story works and all the characters. I think it was easily the the best Spider-Man movie for, for me. And honestly, one of the, the best movies I've ever seen. And I did not expect No Way Home to even come close, but for me, it, it definitely does, which was very surprising. But Into the Spider-Verse, I think it's a really special movie that, that helped a lot of people realize how good animation can be, and also what Spider-Man really means as a character, because a lot of people think that it's, it's just Peter Parker, but really, Stan Lee intended Spider-Man to embody anyone and everyone. Uh, and that that's the message of Into the Spider-Verse, which I, I think is the main reason it's so special. Yeah, well I guess that
0: reminds me um, of Miles in particular. Uh, do you think, f- looking at what they could do with the next live-action trilogy, there might be an opportunity to introduce him into the MCU, or maybe in Sony's universe
1: going forward? I won't be at all surprised if he does show up in the next trilogy, because I think it's only a matter of time before we see a live-action Miles. I think it would be smarter to introduce him into the MCU, because Eventually, Tom Holland is going to retire from the role, and I feel like it would be a perfect transition from him to Miles with a, a younger actor, and they even, they've, they've referenced him in Homecoming and No Way Home now. So, I do think it is inevitable. It's just a question of, of when, when is too soon, when is the right time, because I feel like Miles needs to be young, he can't be too close to Peter in age, who is still pretty young, and... I'm not sure when this version of Peter will be ready to to mentor Miles as the younger Spider Man. And they need to they they need to wait and do it at the right time so that eventually when Tom Holland does step down, the the younger actor who plays Miles is ready to become the, the main MCU Spider Man after him.
0: Have you played the PlayStation video games? I have, yeah, I really enjoyed them. Okay. I have the Spider Man game for the PS four. Haven't made it very far. Mm. Um, you know, the F one games are more my thing, is where right. I <laughs> devote most of my video game time but uh i know that the storyline kind of ends with uh miles being introduced and and, and peter's significantly older mm-hmm. than the miles is in in that story as well and i guess the new spider-man game for the playstation 5 is, is focused on miles do you think that that's something that could kind of be seen as a model for what the mcu should should do with those two characters if and when tom holland decides
1: to give up the role Definitely, I think I think Insomniac and and PlayStation did a really good job with that because it's it's different than anything we've seen before because they introduce Peter at a very old well not very old but an older age he's he's mature he's already graduated college and then they introduce Miles in the first game as a high schooler who ends up with powers at the end of that game and that works really well because because Peter is mature and experienced enough to mentor Miles and. To, to have another Spider Man, which, like I said, sets apart it from it sets it apart from any other adaptation. The problem, well, I guess the challenge that the MCU faces is to do something similar but not too similar. And I think they can figure it out. I'm I'm just not sure exactly how that'll look.
0: Well, I guess we can kind of transition now into uh, talking about the MCU as a whole a little bit. I think we've covered every aspect of Spider Man in recent media a little bit here. So yeah, I want to I want to talk you about Black Widow because I know you weren't particularly a fan of that, I don't know yeah. if you would call it a bad movie, but certainly one of the weaker MCU movies for you.
1: Why were you not able to enjoy that one as much? Well, I know you. I know you enjoyed it a lot more than I did, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad people enjoyed it because I think I think it was a long time coming. Uh, Black Widow definitely needed a solo movie. Uh, it's like I think I, I think I said that I only saw it once, and when I did see it in theaters, I was kind of not in the right mindset. So I, I would definitely like to see it again. I think it's still on Disney Plus. Um, but the main reason it didn't work for me is just the narrative. I think it was kind of messy, and I don't think the, the villain worked at all, and I don't like what they did with Taskmaster. But I honestly do think that it was definitely not one of the the best MCU movies, and I do have it very low in my ranking. But I appreciate how it introduced uh, Elena, who was incredible in Hawkeye, I think uh Florence Pugh is spectacular and I'm really excited to see what they do with her in the future. So if nothing else, uh Black Widow was a a good a way to to put a nice bow on Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow and sort of step into the future of the character in the MCU. Yeah, well,
0: I'm glad you mentioned Hawkeye because that's the that's the one I still have on my list that I need to see for the oh, first yeah. time because I've been I've been so busy with uh with work and everything picking up over the Christmas season and you know just haven't gotten around I I Think everything's out now, so I, I'm just waiting for it. a good time to just binge it
1: all. Um, that's good because heard, I think I think the the biggest problem with Hawkeye was the weekly release, so I think yeah. you'll you'll enjoy it if you binge it.
0: Yeah, but I, I've heard Florence Pugh does a does a fantastic job there as well. Um, and I guess that's kind of what the the credit scene for Black Widow was to set up right. uh, Hawkeye coming out. Um, I guess maybe Black Widow would have worked better if it had maybe been released in the timeline order. That uh, might yeah, have given it a better. Right chance and you know that that movie really got hurt with the pandemic and the delays there because that was i think it was like may of 20 that it was supposed to come out and ends up getting pushed back you know over a year or so um and then you got the hybrid release on disney plus you could pay for premiere access because i I guess people still weren't ready to go back to the theaters Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that all all those things kind of factored into maybe they're not being as much hype around it and i don't know maybe that affects people's Views on it as well, but I think maybe when it had been, you know, pretty much two years since we had gotten an MCU movie at that point, so I think I was just ready to go back to the theater and watch one for the first time after Far From Home. So I, I guess I probably owed a rewatch as well, and maybe if I'm in a different mindset, I might change it on my rankings too. Maybe maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I think it's important to rewatch films, exactly. and uh, yeah, you know go in with a different mindset every time because you know that that could change
1: your opinion on it depending on how you feel about things. Yeah it took me a while to realize that and I think that is it is very important if you're you're serious about film or if you just want to have a unbiased perception of a movie that you watch to, to see it multiple times and like you said I think I think the the main reason Black Widow didn't work for a lot of people is because it got pushed back so far and I mean this year got got off to a really good start with with WandaVision on Disney Plus and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then just following that with Black Widow, the first MCU movie in theaters in a very long time, it just it felt like it just felt a little bit disappointing. I think, like you said, if it had came out much earlier, in chronological order, it would have worked a lot better for everyone.
0: Have you gotten to see the Eternals yet? No, actually,
1: it's the. I first... guess it's just
0: Eternals, right?
1: Yeah. I always I'd say I, the Eternals. I think that happened. was the original yeah. name. Uh, they changed it for whatever reason. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of frustrated at myself for not going to see it. I it, I just I've had a lot going on. I guess it just wasn't really a priority. It's actually the first MCU movie I haven't seen in theaters since Civil War. I think. I was really excited for it though. I I think it had a lot a lot of strong potential going in and just for whatever reason critics hated it yeah did did the lower critic score make you a little more hesitant to go see it or i think so it's it's partially that and partially because just it introduces a completely new cast of characters that i have no emotional investment in so i just with everything going on over the past few months just with with college and and personal issues uh i just it like i said it really wasn't a priority
0: yeah well I, i definitely have it lower on my list just because i like you said, I, you know, it's brand new characters I don't really have much knowledge of or investment in. And just the uh, the pacing I felt like was, was a bit of a struggle. I don't mm. know that it, it needed to be, I think it was pushing two hours and 40 minutes, which, <sighs> you know, uh, No Way Home. We were getting a little concerned about the runtime at two and a half hours, you know, to, to even exceed that is a little bit problematic, I think, you know, for a movie that, you know, maybe you wouldn't call it a traditional origin story, but is still our introduction to these characters in this franchise Probably could have been done in a little bit less time than that. You know, I admit I, I found myself pulling out my phone, checking the time oh, <laughs> during, wow. the, during the movie. Not not because, and again, you know, I, I don't think any of these movies are bad per se. I, I still think they all have good qualities about them. But it was just, you know, I, I wanted to know where we were in the pacing because I knew it was going to be a long movie. And I just felt like I was still waiting for the climax and waiting, waiting some more. And, you know, I, I think it could have stood to be at least half an hour shorter than it was huh. but you know I, I encourage you to go see it i think it's it certainly like all marvel films you know there's there's something to enjoy that you'll come out of it with but uh a little bit lower on my list for
1: sure where does it rank with the other uh 2020 i'm looking at
0: it right now um out of 2021 you yeah. mean yeah. i i i would have it i guess there's been four right so I, i'd have it at yeah. the bottom um hmm. i think black widow is probably next and then Shang chi and then of course no way home i know you have on your letterbox rankings you have a shows as well i haven't i do yeah at least the ones that are on letterbox
1: not not all of them are for some reason yeah yeah well i guess uh daredevil's on letterbox too right it is i don't know they it's it's showed up a few times over the past few years but they keep taking it down i'm not sure if it's still there but I, i do think that that daredevil is the best marvel adaptation that we've gotten so far yeah, well, that's still on my watch list as well,
0: especially now after Charlie Cox's little cameo yeah. and he's back. No which way is home. yeah, just
1: amazing. After uh, it's been like three years now, I think since the show got canceled, uh, it's just amazing to have him back because he was perfect in the role, and I, I really can't wait to to see what they do with him. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I've got my rankings
0: pulled up now. I think I have it 24th out of the 27. Oh. Um, but you know, even I have I have Thor of Dark World in in last place, but even. I think what people were saying after Endgame, maybe making that a little bit more important. You know, there's there's aspects I can look at it, and uh, and and take away some positives from it. Um, you know, like I said, I don't think you know the the MCU is such a grand accomplishment. I don't know if they've made a bad movie yet in in my eyes. But uh, I, want, I I guess I should talk to you a little bit about the Incredible Hulk because Hulk is my favorite character. And oh really? I think some people yeah. Some people feel like his character hasn't been given fair treatment in the MCU because, you know, there's a, there was only one solo movie. It was very early. You know, it's not even the same actor uh, that we've come to, to know and love in the franchise playing him. And I think it's it's at the very bottom of your rankings. It is. So what, what are your thoughts on that movie?
1: I think I've only seen it twice. And when I rewatched them all leading up to Endgame, it was definitely the weakest one for me. I think it's it's right there with Dark World. Um, it it could go either way when I rewatch them all again, I think it's, it's very much a mixed bag for me because in a lot of ways it doesn't feel like an MCU movie, mainly because you have Edward Norton as Hulk instead of Mark Ruffalo, but also just, I don't know, just, just as a whole, it it feels very different than all the MCU movies in, in good ways and bad ways. I think the, the directing and just the way that they tell the story is, well, it it works on a, a lot of levels. And I think I think Edward Norton is incredible in the role. He's such a talented actor, and it's a shame that he he couldn't have stayed in the role, as great as Mark Ruffalo is. But I don't know, it just feels like very, very unfocused as a movie, and I guess the the black sheep of the MCU. I, yeah. I feel like Hulk deserved a lot better.
0: Yeah, well, I think there, you run into the same problem, ironically, that you run into with Spider-Man, and that's how much Say Universal has in that character, right. and I guess... I think the, the way I understand it is Marvel Studios, they they have the rights to the character, but if they make a solo movie, Universal has the first, the first right to refuse or whatever that
1: is. But... I think, yeah, I think that's what's happening, which is really weird. And apparently Universal just doesn't want to make a Hulk movie. And they still have the rights to, to determine whether or not it actually yeah. happens, which is just a shame. And I think that's the reason that uh, Marvel said that they kind of split Hulk's character arc between... I, I think it was between Ragnarok, Infinity War and Endgame, since they couldn't make a Hulk solo movie. Which I think it worked. It just he definitely feels like the weakest out of the original Six Avengers, but I think that's just simply because he hasn't had his time to shine the spotlight.
0: Yeah, well I and I guess the um the thing is when I when I rewatch Ragnarok and I, I see what and again, I think Mark Ruffalo has taken the role on and been been great, but you see Hulk having these full conversations with, with Thor and, you know, it's, it seems like a very different character. What you go back and watch in the incredible Hulk, it's very difficult to wrap your head around that technically supposed to, that's supposed to be the same character right there. Exactly. And, uh, you know, even though it's, it's absolutely canon and there are things that are referenced later. Um, you know, we've seen William Hurt come back Mm. in several movies. Uh, and I guess, uh, Peter's Peter's teacher, Mr. Harrington, has that little oh yeah he does. cameo there, yeah. Oh. Um, so there's some fun little Easter eggs there, but you know, it, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch like as many movies as you need to watch leading up to a big movie like Infinity War or Endgame, you know that's definitely one of the ones that you can skip. And I think that's for for a character with such great history and uh, a large fan base like Hulk has. I think that's that's a bit of a shame that he hasn't had more of a time to, sh- to shine on his own in in
1: the franchise. Yeah, it is really unfortunate. I I hope they can they, they can find a way to to redeem him uh, as a character and give him more time to to shine. And I think it really does feel out of place. Not like I can accept recasts, but just the movie and the, the characterization of Hulk and Bruce Banner. Just it feels completely different to what we have now. Um, but but there is hope. Apparently, he'll have a, a big role in She Hulk, and there are very early rumors. I'm not sure if they're credible or not, but there's talk of a a Planet Hulk movie or World War Hulk. I'm not, I'm not sure, but some, some exciting Hulk movie. Maybe they, they came to an agreement with Universal. I really hope that's true.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I have limited knowledge of the comics, so I don't know how accurate the storyline is, but in Endgame, I was under the impression that when Banner mixed his, I guess, being with, uh, with the Hulk and, and made Professor Hulk or whatever, that that was like a permanent change. And then we we got the credit scene and, uh, Shang-Chi that seems to indicate that he's back as his human form is Bruce Banner now. So, you know, I, I guess he's, his arm has the damage from the snap as well. So I don't know how much more there really is that you can tell with with Ruffalo's Hulk and, and that story. But it looks like they're they're still planning on using him for a good amount in the foreseeable
1: future. So we'll they definitely have they plans. Doing. It's just kind of confusing as to what exactly they're going to do, because I think in Endgame, he was at his best since the original Hulk movie. But it was just so different and such a, a drastic change in and direction that it's really hard to say what they're going to do or if, it, if it's going to work at all.
0: Yeah, I saw somebody tweeted uh, a picture of Eric Bana's Hulk and Ed Norton's Hulk and Mark Ruffalo's Hulk and said, this is what we need next after after Spider-Man. <laughs> Although I'm not sure how well that one would work because Norton and Ruffalo's Hulks are supposed to be the same character right, technically. Right. so. I don't know. Hopefully, I'm excited for She-Hulk. We'll see when that comes out.
1: Um, yeah, there's but, even talk that uh, that Charlie Cox, Matt Murdock, will be in it. So really? If that's the case, I'm very excited. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess you know Daredevil's got a got a bright future too. Now definitely. Now he's back. Yeah. So yeah, there's something. There's there's definitely lots to be excited for. I think you know after maybe maybe it was fitting because I think everybody needed a little bit of a break after Endgame and the Infinity Saga. I think so. That COVID hit when it did. Um, there's so many great things coming out at once that, you know, we're, we're being spoiled, I guess, as, as Marvel fans, you know, with with all this great content. And uh, it seems like there's something new every month to look forward to. So
1: Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I, th- I think a lot of people were concerned that they wouldn't be able to find a way to continue it successfully after Endgame. And there, there is a concern about oversaturation and superhero fatigue or whatever that means. And... I think you you have seen that a little bit but especially after No Way Home and just as as strong of a year as 2021 was it they they've definitely figured out what they're going to do and I I think they're going to continue to be very successful for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean imagine if we weren't in a pandemic and it had gotten released on time in China what the box office totals would be. Oh yeah. I mean it's just That'd be incredible. <laughs> unbelievable what what totals we're seeing, you know, when you consider all the circumstances at the box office. So Uh, the, the hype definitely has not died out yet. I think there's certainly a, you know, arguably it's never been a better time to be a Spider-Man and a Marvel fan. So definitely there's a lot to look forward to. Um, I guess just to, to backtrack a little bit, I guess we should talk about Ragnarok because I think a lot of people consider Ragnarok one of the better movies, probably in their top half. Uh, whereas you again have it towards the bottom, a little bit weaker uh, of a film. (laughs) Probably. One of, if not my most controversial Marvel opinion. <laughs> so what is, I mean, I, and I think I know the answer because I've seen enough of your tweets, but uh, just maybe for the people listening, what what are your biggest problems with Ragnarok?
1: Yeah, I have talked about it at length in my Letterboxd review and just on Twitter because people are very curious as to why it, it doesn't work for me nearly as well as it does for almost everyone. Um, I think when I, when I first watched it in theaters in 2017, I had very high expectations because you have this this movie that feels like a kind of a soft reboot for Thor, who was really struggling up to that point in the MCU, um, and you've got Hulk and Doctor Strange having a cameo. it just it just felt very very exciting and an adaptation of the Ragnarok storyline that was directly tying into Infinity War, it felt like it was going to be this really grand and epic Marvel movie that we hadn't really seen anything like before and it managed to disappoint me even though I think it, it did a really good job setting up Thor to become one of the the best MCU characters in Infinity War and Endgame. Um, I think the the main problem with Ragnarok is that it doesn't have a good balance between humor and drama. Uh, It felt like it was trying to recreate the success of the, especially the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which I think had a a really good balance of humor and drama. But it just, for me personally, it, it didn't work in Ragnarok, even though it is a very entertaining movie. I love Taika Waititi. I think he's a really good writer and a really good director don't think Ragnarok is even close to his best work simply because all the all the serious moments which you have a lot it's it's a very very dramatic movie all the all the things that happen Thor losing his hammer and his father and his his eye and all of Asgard I think that that on paper is a a really good story that that has a lot of really good development for Thor I think all of those serious moments were, were undercut by humor that just didn't really feel like it was natural in that story. I think the the Thor-Hulk uh, team-up on Sakaar was, was really good. I just don't think it belonged in the same movie as Ragnarok, which is supposed to be the destruction of Asgard and the, the death of the gods, which it just didn't feel like that was the right movie for that story. So it's not necessarily that it's a bad movie, it's just for the movie that
0: it advertises itself as it kind of tells a different story and that's that's maybe
1: where the problem lies exactly i think it tried to do th- two things that didn't work together and both of those stories end up suffering sure well i guess uh and again my,
0: my comics knowledge is limited but you you kind of get the sense that loki dies at the end of the dark world right and then right. he's kind of brought back yeah it's been a it's been a while since i rewatched a lot of these so you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember everything exactly as it happens but maybe it goes back to that same issue of being a movie where there's a lot going on and maybe it would have been better if they just stayed focused on one thing
1: yeah and that, was, that was like like we talked about earlier that was my concern with no way home but i think they figured out how to do that and ragnarok Rock didn't sadly
0: sure what do you think of the thor character's future in the mco where, where do you think they could take that with whether it's with the guardians or a new thor movie that's coming out shortly yeah i guess that's that's this year right yeah Huh. I think I think it's uh I think it is it Doctor Strange next and then Thor Love and Thunder, that sounds right. Yeah, because I, I know Doctor Strange is May. Yeah, that's May. I don't think there's a movie. There might be a TV show or something or a Disney Plus series, but I think that's the next movie, and then I think it it
1: might be Thor Love and Thunder after that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I mean I'm, I'm optimistic because uh, Taika is actually writing Love and Thunder, which he he didn't really do for Ragnarok, and like I said, he he's so talented. I think. Hopefully he builds off of what they did between Ragnarok and uh, Avengers 3 and 4 with Thor's character, because I think he's at a really good spot right now. And he works really well with the Guardians, who we're, we'll apparently see in some capacity in the next Thor movie. And introducing Jane Foster as the, the female Thor, I, I didn't expect them to do that, and I didn't think we'd ever see Natalie Portman back in the MCU, but it, it, there's definitely strong potential. And I think if they find a working formula that is similar to ragnarok but works better with like i said that that balance which is really important i think it it could honestly be one of the best mcu movies if they do it right so which movies are and i'm talking like you know i know
0: we've got a fourth spider-man movie in the works but you know nothing's officially been announced yet like of the movies that have been announced that we have at least a general idea of when they're going to be released um which
1: ones are you most excited for going forward I have a list on Letterboxd, which I, I'll pull up now just to make sure that I'm not forgetting anything. Um, there's actually, there's a lot of projects that, that they've announced that's that are really exciting. So after the next Spider-Man movie, which, like you said, hasn't really been officially announced, although we know that there's another trilogy coming, I'm really excited for uh, Guardians Volume 3 and uh, Doctor Strange 2 and the Fantastic Four movie with John Watts. I'm really excited to see what he does with that i think it's it's been a long time coming do you think and especially now that
0: disney bought fox i guess that's how they reacquired the rights to the characters do you think there's an opportunity to bring the multiverse back with any previous x-men references or anything
1: like that i don't want to potentially spoil anything but there are some very strong rumors that they're going to be doing that in doctor strange 2 uh which is really exciting. I think there's a good chance that we'll see some of the Fox characters show up in that movie.
0: Yeah. I've heard rumors maybe about Hugh Jackman being back shooting some stuff, so Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I doubt he'll be the that. MCU
1: Wolverine, but it would sure. be really cool
0: to see him back. Yeah, well I guess that that reminds me as well. Um, you know, I guess kinda of drawing it all back to to Spider Man and we see we're coming up here on an hour in length, so maybe this uh. could be uh, the, the final arc of our podcast here. You know, we we it was obviously great to see Willem Dafoe and uh, Alfred Molina back and Jamie Fox in in their roles. Um, I know Sandman and Lizard were mostly CGI for most of the movie because their actors provided the voices but couldn't return to the studio. You know, but but to see to see them all back was great and glad that they got their moments in the MCU. But if we're gonna keep making these Spider Man movies. There should probably be a, an MCU Goblin or an MCU Doc Ock or anything like that. Do you have actors in mind that you think would would fit those roles?
1: I do, actually, and it's, it's something that I've, I've been thinking about for a while, even before uh, the, the rumors started that they were going to be bringing back these old villains for No Way Home. And it seems like there's a significant number of fans who don't want to see an MCU Goblin and an MCU Doc Ock because we saw them in No Way Home and they were so great, and, you know, like, how are you going to top these performances and these adaptations? Because they're just so good. But I think Green Goblin and Doc Ock are the two most important Spider-Man villains, and it would be a shame if Tom Holland doesn't get his own MCU versions of them, because they're, they're very important to, to Spider-Man and his development. For Doc Ock, I think Rain Wilson will be perfect. Uh, a lot of people don't see it because his most famous role is in The Office, and he plays a very comedic character. But I think he has the range to to bring a really unique take on Doc Ock to the MCU that would work really well with Tom Holland. And for Norman Osborn, a lot of people have said Matthew McConaughey, which I think would be really good, but my personal choice is Giancarlo Esposito. People know him as Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, and I think he would just be perfect as MCU Norman Osborn because I think the way that they should do it is to introduce Osborn as a villain who forms the Dark Adventures, becomes Iron Patriot like they did in the comics, and then gradually build up to Green Goblin after many, many years. And I think he would just, the the dynamic that you see between his public persona and his evil persona in Breaking Bad is perfect for Green Goblin. And I think it would be completely different, but just as good as Willem Defoe. If you had to pick
0: a Sinister Six for the MCU, who do you, who do you think should be the villains that play into that
1: i really hope we do see that in the next trilogy maybe for spider-man 6 i think that'd be pretty fitting um i would have obviously a vulture and mysterio there's there's no way that mysterio is dead and even if he is they can bring him back with a maybe a, a new person or maybe he's just cgi <laughs> um but yeah vulture mysterio i think they need to follow up with the scorpion post credit scene from homecoming um so those are definitely the three that need to be in it i think it's important to have Doc Ock on the Central Six because he's the classic leader from the comics. And then I would throw in Kraven. Uh, I think that would be really cool. And then the sixth villain, I'm not, I don't really have a, a strong preference. I think that they could bring in Shocker, maybe, because he was in Homecoming and he's been on the team before. Um, or Mr. Negative, I think. They did that in Spider-Man PS4 and I feel like that would be a, a nice way to bring him into live action. Just as long as it's not Venom, probably right. You you don't think yeah, that would work as I, well. I, I'm really excited to see Venom in, in the MCU, probably in the next trilogy after that that mid credit scene. But I don't think he works well in the Sinister Six at all. Yeah, I don't know where they're gonna take that character. I guess like like we were saying earlier, there's a lot of
0: different possibilities. And I guess we've we've seen two adaptations already. I guess that's why you know if you, if you want to bring an existing Spider Man into the Sony verse, you know it's got to be Andrew, right? Because toby's already had his venom so that that wouldn't really work so you know it could be an opportunity for andrew to come back but yeah
1: i think there's like i said a lot to be excited for uh in the future going forward definitely i I really can't wait to see what they do there's a lot of different directions they could take maybe i'm sure a lot of unexpected things will happen but it'll be great and i i'm just glad that i'm here for it honestly yeah i, I guess we should uh we should maybe wrap it up here. Um
0: yeah, the the franchise is so massive, you know, there's so many movies we haven't even referenced here, but right. uh, I guess I should, you know, to close it here. Is Is No Way Home now your favorite MCU movie and I guess in a related question, do you think it's, you know, looking at it objectively, is it the best MCU movie after you've seen it a few times now
1: that uh, it's just come out? It's honestly my favorite movie of all time right now, which is just I'm really happy to say that because of how how worried I was, but I was also very excited. And it it did not disappoint at all. It managed to exceed my expectations. Uh, And it means a lot to me personally because I think that that the story uh, about responsibility is something that, that really inspires me, especially where I'm at right now in life. And trying to look at it objectively, at least right now, I do think it's the best Marvel movie and the best MCU movie, just because even though it's not like there there's small nitpicks that I can that I can throw out about how it technically isn't perfect. I think it's really as close to perfection as a MC movie and a comic book movie has ever gotten. And the more I think about it, the better it gets. Just there are all these small things that just work so well. And the way that they resolved this trilogy and managed to develop Tom Holland's Spider Man so well and set the stage perfectly for whatever comes next. I just I think objectively as a movie it it works well on every level
0: yeah well, I, i've got to say there were like I, I i try not to get too emotional watching movies but uh you, you reminded me of the responsibility line um you know when when tom's finally meeting toby and andrews and tom's referencing may's death and, and he says she told me that was great power and when toby finished it and said comes mm-hmm. great responsibility I, I have no shame in admitting that's where i broke You know, it was just such a beautiful moment that uh, you really ties things in together. And uh, you know, I'm with you. I can't believe how well they pulled it off, and uh, you know, I think laid the laid the foundation for what's hopefully going to be a great new trilogy for Tom and maybe some future opportunities to bring back a couple characters that I didn't think we'd ever see again. And and yet here they are.
1: It's kind of a soft reboot, but it's seamless in terms of continuity, which is just really exciting because they could go anywhere yeah all right man well thank you so much for for coming over and
0: spend some time with me this yeah. afternoon i know there's there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this franchise a lot more that we didn't get into so uh you know like i said i'd love to have you back at some point and maybe uh hopefully by then i'll have binged hawkeye and daredevil and a couple of these other shows and be a little bit more caught up and we'll be more to to talk about there but uh in the meantime i know best of luck with uh with college i know you're going back soon and yeah, thank you yeah, hope that hope that everything's going well there a little concern with the uh the omicron cases spiking um yeah
1: hopefully that doesn't get any worse because yeah it's i
0: guess if you know it's frustrating that you know so many people were getting it during the holidays but you yeah. know I guess if there is a time for it to spike it's probably best that for you know for, for college students in particular that it spikes while people are home and then maybe as they start to go back the cases start to drop um you know because just see- seeing these numbers I don't know how much higher can get i guess that's a silver lining is maybe if if there's a bigger spike it, it's going to be over sooner but uh certainly hope all the best for for you guys and uh that it doesn't disrupt your plans too much here um, yeah you too thank yeah you. certainly hope the best for you guys and uh yeah hope, like i said hopefully we can get you back here sometime soon and uh hope college goes well for you and we'll see you then
1: yeah i'd love to be back thank you for having all me. all
0: right yeah no problem Been fun